My name is Kate Fishman, and sometimes I want to shave all the hair off my head because it feels like this last layer of vanity where then I'd have to reckon with what I actually look like. And I say this because that impulse for me often comes from things I'm scared of doing, things where I couldn't imagine my life without them, feeling really attracted to them. What would it be like? What would that immense change or immense loss feel like? And this might seem like a really weird way to intro this episode, but I bring it up because our guest today had an experience, in fact, two experiences that involved an isolation most of what the average person has experienced would pale in comparison to. He was a contestant on the show Alone, which is a survival show from the History Channel, where people are sent out into the wilderness on their own, filming themselves. There's no film crew there, just medical checks once a week. And they compete to last the longest and win $500,000. And it's a really painful and sometimes horrifying show to watch in terms of starvation and what people go through on the show and the emotional turmoil of being alone in the end is often a big part of why people choose to tap out of the experience as this contestant did in Mongolia this season where he was the second to last person but he really doesn't dwell on that element of the experience because the show changed his life in so many ways It led to a deepening of his family relationships and a really big job change. It cultivated this interest in teaching the wilderness and survival skills that for him were self-taught. And all of that time alone has just been kind of world expanding for him. And that's a lot of what our conversation was about. So I'm really thrilled to have Britt A. Hart on the show this week and for you to hear a bit about this experience of loneliness and isolation that is truly extreme, but also ended up being a really benevolent force in Britt's life. So thank you for being here. Welcome back. Here's Britt. When I was on the show, I did feel alone, but... The only time I really felt alone was when the camera stopped recording me because then everything that I'm feeling or displaying or pouring out is totally going unheard. That's the only time I felt that like you almost didn't exist at that point because when 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 the camera shut off and what you're feeling and trying to emote goes unheard and nobody knows that you're even there at that point. This is Loneliness Mess, the podcast that explores belonging by getting real about feeling lonely. This week with Britt Ahart. Thank you so much for being here, Britt. Thanks for having me. To start with, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you're up to these days? Uh, Sure. Well, about myself, um, born in Virginia, transplanted to Ohio, and that's where I you know, practice a lot of the stuff that I'm teaching the kids now. I've always had a fondness for nature. 
basically because I've always been a solitary person. I spent a lot of time by myself. So I was always in the woods, always hiking and, and just kind of developed a love for being outside and an appreciation of nature. And that kind of propelled me into what I've done in, in the, the more recent years of my life. And I just, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I just really enjoy uh, all aspects of outside and the things that I've learned and experienced throughout the course of my life. Now I really enjoy teaching those things to kids, you know, try and spark an interest in them because it's, it's, it's something that's lost nowadays with, you know, more electronics that kids have. And, and I think they're less probably in tune with themselves. And I think spending a lot of time in nature helps them discover more things about themselves. So that's what I learned over the course of my life. And that's what I'm trying to teach to kids. I think that says a little bit about me. Yeah, I love that. So that also kind of segues into where I wanted to start, which is um, something that's come up a lot on this show and that I feel like people talk about and think about a lot is the distinction between being alone and being lonely and where that line is and how um, those feelings come up in maybe unexpected contexts. So as someone who has been at points maybe the most alone that anybody can be like physically isolated. Um, I'm curious what what that distinction is for you and how you think about those different experiences. I think that I probably always maintain a certain level of loneliness mm. and not in a not in always in a bad way, but it's just something that I've come to recognize because I've never really even as a kid, I never really had groups that I totally would mesh with, which this that's what kind of propelled me to be who I am now. But I think the positive thing about being alone is is you have more, um, I think, self-awareness of who you are at times. Because I used to spend a whole lot of time trying to acclimate myself to the people around me mm. or, you know, wear a different mask depending on the situations. But I've learned as I've gotten older that um, just more about who I really am and all the time I spent actually, you know, with, you know, putting up this facade. So I don't think that being alone is a bad thing because you can be by yourself, but not feel that sense of loneliness if you're comfortable with yourself. Mm. Like I don't, I don't ever, I don't feel any sense of loneliness, like I'm without, but I do feel alone a lot of the time just because of, I mean, cause I was also adopted. So I've always just had that that underlying sense of I don't know exactly where I fall. And and I'm sure that plays a huge role in, in me being comfortable with my loneliness. Uh, I mean, being comfortable with my loneliness and being alone. So it can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on on how you are with yourself, I think. Yeah. I spent a lot of time thinking about that, sitting in the woods by myself. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> yeah. When, you, when you're doing stuff like I did on the show, you... You have a lot of time to address things and a lot of time to open closets and reflect and and just kind of, you know, look at your life as a whole. And you can't help but but discover things about yourself and have to come to terms with things that you may have been trying to push to the back previously. So I'm good with my family, but for the most part, when they're not around, I'm a pretty lonely guy. But I've come to terms with that. Yeah, I really understand that. And when you say... um that this kind of sense of loneliness that you have always carried with you sort of propelled you toward who you are today. Do you feel like that's some of what developed your interest in being outside and being in nature? What drew me to nature was that there was, 
no charade I had to put on. I just really enjoy it. First of all, I, nature is just beautiful in and of itself. And I have a, a huge fondness of animals and everything that encompasses nature. But it was just the being out in a spot where nobody is seeing you. You don't have to put on any sort of show. You can be totally relaxed. And so I embraced that because that's when I could just be like, you know, take a breath. You don't have to perform. You don't have to be anything for anybody. So I just came to enjoy the, I don't know if it's solitude, but the, the, I don't know, the closed expanse of nature. Mm. Does that make sense to you? So it's like, yeah. it's so huge, but it was like close and comforting. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I'm not sure if it does. It, it does in my brain. It does. So. <laughs> I love closed expanse. That's a really great way of putting that. Contestants tape themselves for the duration of filming. And Britt has worked really hard to try to get that raw footage back. I wanted to know what those tapes meant to him and what that processing via video meant more broadly. Yeah. Uh, so, man, it, it's been a, a, an ongoing battle, losing on my end and probably mm. forever will be. But I really wanted that footage because that time out there was such a pivotal moment in my life. Um, to have it just all recorded, I would love to be, a, you know, so I go back and forth whether I want to see it or not again. More so, I'd like to have it for my son to watch it because she is me probably better than anybody. But if he could see me at like my rawest, most vulnerable form, I feel that it would really help him further understand who his dad is. But aside from that, it, it was just such an, an incredible um, metamorphosis that I underwent uh, in that situation. And I just, I feel like it's a, it's a shame that I don't have that to keep for my own because it, it's yeah. like the purest form of me. Mm. And, and I never get to see it again. So I, I've been upset about that for a while. So thanks for reminding me. I'm just <laughs> kidding. Uh, but I, I, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But I, I do wish I had it. But there's just all, all the tape that has to be gone through. Uh, I'm never going to see it again. But yeah, that's why I really wanted to have it. Because uh, I told people, like when I was on the show, I did feel alone. But the only time I really felt alone was when the camera stopped recording me. Because then everything that I'm feeling or displaying or pouring out is totally going unheard. That's the only time I felt that, like you almost didn't exist at that point because when 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 the camera shut off and what you're feeling and trying to emote goes unheard and nobody knows that you're even there at that point. So mm -hmm. I actually kind of, that's one aspect of the show that I, I, I really embraced and I don't think a lot of people do on the show as much as I did, but I liked the, the, um, the self-documentation process yeah, because it allowed you to be like really, really comfortable and just express yourself totally unhinged. Britt talked about how it's really difficult to sum up his experience into one takeaway. Like when people ask me, so how was your experience on the show? I'm like, that. that's such an incredibly hard question for me to answer. So I usually just start spitting out adjectives. Yeah, because we you know it was it was encompassing and enthralling and insightful and emotional and meditative and you know explorative and I start saying all this stuff because I can't just say you know it was fun you know I had a fun time I, I can't just uh, so it, it's funny when people ask me that so that that sends me down a rabbit hole too when I have to ask how was it out there I guess I also 
I'm curious about the experience of kind of coming back and and trying to, I guess, just acclimate to normal life a little bit, but also relay um, that sort of self-knowledge and and bring that into your relationship with your family. Um, again, I, I've seen you talk a little bit about this in a couple other interviews, but um, what what that experience of self-knowledge from being so intensely alone then meant in terms of bringing it back to other people and back to your kind of usual life? Well, the, the coming home process, and I could probably speak across the board, is very, well, you know, I can't speak across the board because I've seen a lot of other people from the show and they go into it with different, um, different motivations. Mm. So they come out thinking that they're all superstars and stuff. This show, there could be a show just for the people who, the family that we leave at home because they, they have to endure so much. So I can just speak from my perspective specifically that the first time I went and I spent, I was in Argentina for 35 days and that was my first time. And I came home and it was extremely difficult coming back home, not just because, you know, I'd lost 35 pounds. I looked different. I was eating differently. I had all these different thoughts going through my head. Um, and my wife and I, we weren't seeing eye to eye anymore because she didn't understand what I was talking about. She didn't understand why I looked so different. You know, she had dealt with me being gone for like a month and a half. So the coming home process was hard. We, there were lots of arguments. Um, uh, I, I ate myself to the hospital. I went to the hospital both times. But just uh, the feeling of, going from such extreme isolation to just being dropped back in the middle of, okay, now you're back to dad, work, family, you know, go back into the normal pace was really, really hard because um, I, I don't even know why exactly, but it was just, it was hard to go back to what we see as like normal because I, I had felt such a sense of like, when I was on the show, I'd had such a, a cool experience of, of like the sensation of like freedom and and being out in the wilderness and and just becoming in tune and becoming really appreciative for what I have and love. So not coming back to my family, but coming back to the closed structure of everyday life was really, really difficult. And also just being around large groups of people. I still, I never have, but I still have problems in large groups of people. I had problems driving. I had problems in the store. I really got... I got anxious with people asking me about where I'd been because a lot of people knew where I was. So I was getting peppered with all these questions. And so coming back was pretty, pretty difficult both times. The second time was easier in so far as in the interim, my wife had befriended some other participants of the show, their counterparts. Mm. So in talking with them, they kind of started to understand why I and the other person who whose counterpart she was talking to, why we came home kind of different differently. And when I talk to people, I don't, I don't, I'm not equating it to any sort of, you know, military level experience, but there is some sort of, you know, post-traumatic issues, at least that I experienced coming back. Because like I said, I've always been a solitary person, very introverted. And so like being out in the wilderness so long was like a relaxing experience for me, except for the fact that I was, you know, thinking constantly about my family and their well-being. 
So then coming back to what had previously already made me, you know, anxious on one level or another was just heightened to a degree to where I didn't want to leave the house. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't reach out to my friends. It took a long time for me to slowly, you know, start to talk to people again. I remember driving down the road and I was like freaking out. I had to pull into a gas station. I like sat there for like an hour trying to calm down just so I could drive on the highway. And I, I never, I've never really spoken about that with other participants. Um, so maybe they have, maybe they haven't. But I know a lot of people on the show, like a lot of them have like somewhat nomadic lifestyles anyway, or they're, they're, they don't, they don't have families maybe, or they're, you know, kind of, you know, this is what they do all of the time. Like I'm going to go away from my family or I'm spending all this time by myself. So I don't even know how many of them can relate to what I was feeling. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure I'll find out. That's kind of something I've kept to myself and my family. And I guess anybody who listens to the podcast that I share it on, because <laughs> I tend to, I tend to speak freely with strangers, but not so much with the people who I, who I know very well. I'm not yeah. sure why. I understand that. I think that that instinct is part of a motivator for this show a little bit too. So yeah. I really understand that. Britt's prior career experience working as an accountant had set his perspective on the show apart from some of the other contestants. It made the time after the show different too. I still think I'm one of the only people who was working a white collar job. Yeah. I'm not saying anything about somebody who doesn't. I'm just saying, like, yeah. I came from an office setting. You know, they run it. They run in the same group. A lot of people are referrals from past participants. Like, they always ask us, "Hey, right. do you know anybody?" So, a lot of the people you've seen on the show, like, they all have relations because they're all doing this stuff all the time. You go onto their social media, and they're running around wearing buckskins and, you know, barefoot cleaning a moose. I mean, you're not me. I went. You know, I took off my tie and my collared shirt and I went on the show and then came back and put on my tie and my collared shirt. So I was definitely uh, an, an outlier in terms of uh, the participants of this, uh, this show. When Britt came home, he decided to change jobs. And when he talks about what he did next, he lights up. So I was at my house and, you know, thinking about what I, what I was going to do next because I, I know I didn't want to go back to, the, to that job. And I just happened to see a school bus driving down the road. And so, uh, you know, I, I always thought it'd be neat to drive a school bus. I always have gotten along with kids, as you can tell by what I'm doing now with teaching kids. And also, I thought it'd be a great opportunity to be able to spend a lot of time with my son because he'd be on my school bus. So, you know, I started driving a school bus and now I've been driving a school bus for, I don't know, coming around five something years, I think. Can you can you say more about um, about what you enjoy about that job and and kind of find fulfilling that's maybe different from the work you were doing before? <laughs> Better than the work I was doing before. <laughs> well, so I, I I spent probably twenty years sitting in a cubicle staring at numbers. You know, from the time I was about eighteen to the time I was forty. You know, working for law firms and FedEx, and I. I spent some years at NASA and stuff like that. And it was just, it was unfulfilling work. Mm. Like I, 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 I was, I was just a small cog on some sort of wheel that I never even saw. So I got, it, it was just, it just wasn't what I felt I should be doing. I was good at doing it, but I, I didn't feel like I should be doing that. Mm. And like I said, I've always, I've always loved kids. 
Uh, um, and so when I got the opportunity to drive a school bus, I'm like, this is fantastic. I get to meet all these little people. I get to share memories. I get to help mold them. I get to have fun. It was a fun job. Mm. I mean, I have I have videos of us driving down the road and we're all singing songs on the radio on the school bus. But just to be able to interact with, with the kids like that, because I don't know, they're so... They're so innocent and nice and non-judgmental that I just find being around kids uh, like a like a, a fun comfortable atmosphere mm-hmm. like they don't care who you are no are you friendly do you make them laugh um, or, you know do you treat them well and stuff like that and so that that just was a really comforting atmosphere to be in and so that's why I really enjoy doing it. and like so we moved away for two years and I came back and we just went to a local fair and I run by and I see him like, hey, you're on my school bus. I'm like, Mr. Britt, I'm so glad to see you. Oh, man, blah, blah, and, and that right there, like small things like that make me so appreciative to realize that I could have even like a small impact on a kid at some point in their life that where they're happy to see me because, you know, they they see me as a nice person. So I don't know. It's a uh, it's it's. It's heartwarming to me to be able to to have somebody approach me like that and just be happy for knowing me for who I was for the tiny time that we've interacted. You know, they, they smile about it. Britt has been able to expand his work with kids beyond the school bus through his talent agency, Valor Talent Group, which got him a gig teaching nature education classes in Northern California. I, I go up there maybe every other month or so, and we have camps for kids. Um, I'm specifically affiliated with one camp up there. It's the Cascade Camp. But what we do is I get to interact with kids. We have sometimes between an hour to six hours, depending on, you know, whatever block we're allotted. And I get to take them outside in the wilderness. We go on hikes. I teach them, like, little primitive survival skills, uh, how to build traps, how to make fires, how to find and purify water. Uh, we work on some navigation and things of that nature. Everything that I've seen before or currently or, you know, are adults working with adults. I never see adults trying to reach the kids and, you know, you know, get that spark started to where they might be like, you know, I'm really enjoying this. I'd like to learn more of this. I'd like to do more of this. Whereas if you find an adult, like they've already been doing it and maybe you can teach them, you know, one other thing or a couple other things and, you know, pass knowledge back and forth. When I meet these kids, they're clean slates. They've never seen anything that I'm doing. They're totally enthralled with the concept. How do you catch rabbits? How do you clean rabbits? You know, where are you looking for the rabbits? How do you catch fish? Uh, How do you start a fire? What materials are you looking for to make a fire? Uh, and so, like, because these things are all new to them, like, they hang on every word. They're so excited just to just to be learning something that's so out of the normal realm of what they're totally taught that I get, like, such extreme attention. And, and, um, and again, I mean, it's, it's rewarding for them, but it, selfishly, it's also re- rewarding for me because I enjoy being able to teach what I love to somebody else who is very, very receptive to what I'm trying to show them. So that's what we're doing up there now. And it's been growing steadily for the past couple of years. And so like when I go back now, I'm getting like some of the same kids like, oh yeah, I remember you, remember me? I was the one who who started the fire the first time. And you know what's really cool? And this is my, this has to be my favorite part is when we're teaching fire skills and, you know, and everybody's having a difficult time and stuff like that. And I show them and they think it's super easy because, you know, I've done it so many times 
that I can just, you know, get my tinder bundle together and get my fair rod and my striker and boom, and there's fire. I'm like, oh, I can do that. I can do that. So they're struggling for 20 minutes, 25 minutes. And then I hear, I got it. Like the most triumphant scream from the kids. And they're over there like huddled around their fire, like cavemen. They're all excited, putting their little twigs on there. And then somebody else will say, I got it. And, they'll, you know, I'm running back and forth. And I mean, these kids, like literally they'll have, they'll have bloody knuckles. They're trying to work so hard. But their 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 fortitude and their determination to make the fire and then to have them actually ignite it and to hear the triumphant screams is something that is so awesome to me every single time. That's hands down my favorite part is when they get fire started and hearing how proud they are of themselves. And I got to teach them that. So that makes me happy as well. That's so beautiful. I love that. It's it's so great. I wanted to talk about that partly because um I obviously the the podcast is about loneliness, but I feel like belonging and how belonging can come out of being alone or or out of the, like searching that comes with some types of loneliness is um, is another really important part of it to me. And I don't know, the, it's maybe a little too simple of a narrative, but I love the idea of having done these wilderness experiences that are about being very intensely alone and then being able to yeah. bring to kids and and teach and have that like really communal type of experience it's really lovely yeah it's great it's, I, I never envisioned that it was going to come to that when mm. initially on the show i was just like i want to go camping by myself that's all i was doing on the show so i didn't think it was going to progress to anything else but i mean there's there's something to be said about being alone once in a while right mm. everybody should be but not see that it is a negative thing. You have to be able to be comfortable with yourself if you want to be comfortable with others. And I think that's something that the show helped me learn a lot because I was struggling with loneliness as a child. Mm -hmm. But now as I've gotten older, you know, I understand my loneliness and I appreciate it and embrace it because it kind of helps me you know, to being by myself helps me reset and reflect and rewind and, you know, revisit and any other words I can come up with to start with RE. But I think it's a, it's a positive thing. And it, it, I've told this often, like everybody, who have, not everybody I've spoken to, but everybody who said, oh man, I could never do what you did on that show. And I'm saying like, skills aside, I wish everybody, like everybody had the opportunity to do something like this because in our everyday to day life, you know, we don't typically have time to just pause, stop doing anything else and just sit still, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a location where you're not making new thoughts. I mean, you are in a sense, but you're not like burdened with anything else. But that moment, you know, that's totally, you know, totally encapsulates you right there. And so being able to do that for me allowed me to like further understand, you know, myself which made me a better person when i interact with people definitely with my family it definitely made me a better person with my family because if there's if there is one adjective i can say i came away with from the show it's appreciation mm. not that i took anything i mean you take stuff for granted and i don't want to say i took my family for granted but i had a heightened level of appreciation when i got to come back to them it's something that everybody should be allowed to do like just take take a pause in life 
and not worry about anything else except, you know, your mental self, your mental health, your well-being, and just to reflect and think about things. How do you feel that appreciation in your kind of day-to-day life? Like, where does that show up for you? Well, first and foremost is with my family um, because they've been everything for me. And they were beforehand too, but being pulled apart from them because I have a very close family. Like, you know, I, I talk and text with my wife all day long, even though she works from home and I'm home most of the time. Uh, my son, like I said, I'm adopted. So he's my only biological relative. So we're extremely close and we've always been like, he's my little, I call him Brit 2.0, but being taken away from them and then coming back to them, it made me appreciate exactly how much I really needed them. Like I always needed them, but you don't know what you really need until it's all gone. Like I didn't have water or the food I needed or the comfortable bed, but I didn't need anything except for my family. Like I, I, I w- I've said before that like when I'm out here in my backyard and, you know, I'm trying to build a trap or something or maybe make a fire and I'm not having success, I can walk in the house and my wife would be like, oh, that's okay. You know, go out there and try again. You'll get it. And my son's like, you can do it, daddy, and stuff like that. And when I was on the show and I was, you know, failing, in whatever regard, I realized how much I needed them to say, oh, it's okay, you'll get it next time. Mm. So I started to start to realize the, not realize, but really, really, really realize, if you know what I mean, just how vital they are to every aspect of my life. Mm. And so as I, as I sat out there thinking about that and that total isolation and cold and I'm starving, that all I really needed to make everything good was just to be with my family. Mm. So I came home and I've been much more vocal about how I felt towards them. So I didn't, I didn't feel the need to have any sort of bravado and, you know, I'm, I'm too tough to say, I love you. Uh, so I'm, I just, me coming home with that mindset and feeling that way I did definitely helped, um, helped our relations greatly. I've noticed in the course of our conversation, I think because, and I was realizing my questions just didn't have this bent either, but everyone else I've talked to, the pandemic has come up almost immediately in terms of what people think about with loneliness. And of course, we were mostly talking about the show, so <laughs> that wasn't going to happen the same way. But I guess I'm curious if if you have anything to say on what that experience of isolation was like for you having had done some pretty extreme isolation before, obviously in a really, really different way. You mean, you mean how coronavirus kept everybody at home? Mm-hmm. Oh, we loved it. We're, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, to get, we're together all the time anyway. So this was just a reason that we didn't have to go out and see anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but what's, what's odd about it is, okay, not only was it great for our family dynamic because we spent so much time doing stuff together, going outside, you know, uh, going on hikes. Yeah. But we're, we're such a, we're such a tight knit family anyway, that we don't, we don't generally as a group spend a lot of time socializing with other people. Not, not that much. So it wasn't a huge, a huge deal for us. Um, it almost, I mean, it, 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 it probably drew us closer together because I was, <clears throat> I was, uh, driving the school bus and my son was going to school. So when they shut us down, he and I were both home and my wife uh, worked and then she began working from home. So we were all 
home together, but, and you know, some people get stir crazy and, you know, somebody, you know, you need to leave the house. We're together too much, but that's not the dynamic of our household because we just all get, get together and not in it. Like it's not cheesy or anything, but we just all have like a fun relationship to where we don't typically get sick of each other. And if we do, you know, I'd go for a hike by myself one day and then come back home and then we're fine. We don't really talk about it. We were fine through it. I think we actually came out on the other end better than we went in. Mm. That's interesting. I'm I'm glad I asked then because that's also yeah. really different from from some other stuff people have said. Not that people have all said the same thing, but you know, it's yeah, well, it's a cool perspective to have. We also we also are silver lining people. You know? mm. So my wife wasn't when we first met and she's still working on it, but I, I don't know. You're probably too young to remember Transformers. No, you've seen the movies. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, always ref, I always refer to myself as Optimist Prime and she's Negatron. So <laughs> with the power of Optimist Prime, you know, I bring her over to my side. So we're, we're always looking for the bright side of things and my son's the same way. So we have, we have pretty sunny disposition. So it doesn't matter what gets thrown at us. Our, our motto in our household is, you know, whatever works, we make it happen. So mm. uh, we're, we're okay no matter what, what comes our way. That's one of the things I want to make sure that I always say. When you have everything taken away from you, then you realize what's really, really necessary for you to have a nice, healthy existence. So thanks for asking that because I might not have said that otherwise. One, two, three, four. That's all for today's show with Britt A. Hart. Thank you so much to Britt and the people at Valor Talent Group for making this show happen. I'm also really grateful this week to my friend Alex Bachbesson, who helped edit the audio from the main interview in this episode to bring it to a slightly more listenable place. I don't have the best quality recorder, and so the fact that he was willing to do that is so nice. He also is one half of the group Tchotchke, which just put out their debut EP this month. It's called I'll Send You a Letter, and it's really great. If you enjoyed this episode of Loneliness Mess, share it with someone it made you think of or the people in your life. That's the type of support I am always most excited about. To hear new episodes of Loneliness Mess each time one drops, click follow or subscribe on your platform of choice. This episode of Loneliness Mess was recorded in California on the ancestral lands of the Kumeyaay people. Music in this episode comes from Jazar, Jason Shaw, and Origami Repetica. Thank you so much for listening. Always feel free to reach out at lonelinessmess at gmail.com. And until next time. I know me.